we're going to be taking you through the progress of our black comedy feature film. Who are you, by the way? Nobody, nobody knows who we are. <laughs> what this is, is a DIY cinema podcast for DIY filmmakers. The idea is that you don't wait for permission, you just start. This is our first feature film, something we're going to do together. Uh, you're going to get it warts and all. <laughs> <laughs> so we just go into it. I kind of think we could. This is DIY Cinema Cult. Hello, Aaron. How you doing? Nice to see you again. <laughs> Hello, mate. How's it going? Yeah, all right. Not too bad. No hangovers. No hangovers. No hangovers this time. Uh, no, exactly. We, we're, we're saying that, aren't we? Because we did have a terrible hangover after the very first podcast we did. First episode was a bit of... We, we got very excited, I think, about that. Yeah. One. And it wasn't really the fault of the drinking during the podcast. It was the getting excited after the podcast drinking bit, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. We listened back to it, didn't we? And then we kind of... We had a couple more gins while we listened. To yeah, it. and then and then we went and got another bottle. Yeah, we did, we did, but no more not drinking like that this time, mate. Because no. I have a little baby. You've got some some addition to, to yeah to the my family. Little, my little baby's come, oh. and so I'm going to be up m- most of the night, um, just kind of pacing around the room with him. So can't be drunk doing that. You can't drunk parenting is is bad. It's not Don't, good. So I would not advise that. It's not a good that. look. It's not a good style. No. And, and we met little baby Jude the other day. You did, yeah. And yeah. my 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 girls were absolutely over the moon. Uh, Ida, my, they were so sweet with him. My, Ida, my youngest one, was calling her calling him her baby Judy, <laughs> and she was think she was thinking about him all for the rest of the day. And she said, she said my favourite bit of the day was with baby Judy. Oh, that's sweet. Is she available for babysitting? That's <laughs> Another ten years, and then it's legal. Sadly, not not just yet. Um, yeah. But but that has been amazing news. But you but you've still been busy doing other things as well. Yeah. So chewing gum man's gone very and, well. Yeah. So just received some new, literally some news yesterday that it, we're gonna it's gonna be sold to a, a broadcaster, which is amazing. So it's gonna get on telly next early next in the new year. And so, I think yeah. what would be what's interesting for our listeners, all of them, yeah. uh, is that um, it was an entirely you know uh, independent and pirate entity as we've been talking about in this podcast you just went and did it you found out you had a great idea you met the right character to do it and um you've made it pretty much on a shoestring i mean there was no budget as far as i can there was no absolutely no budget apart from what i could kind of rustle up at my own personal account to pay various people who kind of came in and helped me out along the way uh, but the budget was non-existent. There was nothing. And then I think that's what gave me a great deal of satisfaction yesterday when I heard the news that we that I'd sold it was that it was a complete a complete indie kind of venture. There was no client. There was no marketing department. You know, I'm, I'm my own distributor and and press agent. But and eventually did sell this and you know for for a little bit of money and and it just feels like. 
I don't know, you just you, you kind of feel validated, I suppose, in a sense yeah. that, that you're kind of doing the right thing and going along the right track somewhat. And and also that um, you can do things like this completely independently. And it, I mean, it's a lovely film with a with obviously a, a great sort of lead character and a fantastic story. Mm. And um, I think it will really appeal. And I think what it, what's been nice about it, obviously, there has been the screenings and then you've kind of done a another version based upon new events that have happened and kind of updated the story a little bit so yeah it's an unfolding story in some way and because you're close to the the lead character um it, you can do things like that you can still kind of you know follow him up but uh yeah it's, fant- I mean, it's a great achievement to get something it's been in a few festivals i know you're going to another festival in a few weeks as yeah well. i'm heading to um belgium in a, f- a fortnight so we're gonna we're gonna go and play it there and do a q a and that kind of thing and that's the part of the whole process that i always forget is the tail end it's the it's the showing of your film and yeah. the festivals and going out and meeting people and and seeing their and feeling their reactions to the film so i, I can't wait because i'm really looking forward to getting this in front of people and hearing their feedback and just getting in conversations with them you know and it what's lovely i think about the film festival experience even though there's a lot of debate upon how much it really is how much it really matters to a film does it really matter if you've done loads of festivals yeah in terms of um sales or or all the rest of it and then obviously online there's a million and one ways to distribute your your film online and a lot of uh chasing of those eyeballs online but i think the experience of the festival is very interesting because one i always think that um it's the closest it gets to kind of being in a band or something as in you've made your art and then you get up there and you you play it to people and people react and that's what happens yeah. in a band it's kind of quite it's instant whereas when you make anything televisual and a lot you know we do a lot of other things uh commercial and charity and otherwise you kind of you you let it go into the world and then you you might get a few likes yeah or you might get no response whatsoever or you just get the check or through the mail etc and and that's the only real feedback you get from that thing so the film festival experience has always been really lovely because you get to you get to hear people laugh in the right places or or you get to chat to people afterwards and it's often a good uh networking kind of experience as well we've still got friends like my friend jeff our friend jeff who we work with together who i met through the film festival circuit on previous films so Mm. It's it's a great way of building a kind of a network and an audience potentially for future films. Yeah. Um, but also it's just a fun validation of your yeah. Your, I mean, project. Yeah, exactly. You get to meet the audience. They get they come literally come up to you straight after the screening, tell you what they thought. Sometimes not after the screening. Sometimes you might be might be the next night if you're if you're kind yeah. of lingering around a festival. They'll come up to you and go, "Oh, hey, you're the guy with that so, such and such a film." And you know, you spark up conversations, and also you're meeting other filmmakers and you're meeting people who have been going down the same road that you have and sometimes as a filmmaker even though you have a crew around you uh, of varying sizes you know it might be small crew might be a massive crew but there's often times you kind of feel quite lonely in your kind of venture in a yeah. way you feel a bit crazy you kind of come up with this idea you've gone to all this bother to kind of make this kind of whether it be a documentary or a narrative a piece of narrative filmmaking to make it a reality um and it's not really a normal thing to do there's no, not it's that quite lonely it's, it's quite lonely so when you go to a film festival you just meet lots of other crazy people like you who've got the same kind of idea and passions and it's quite you really kind of vibe off those other filmmakers when you're there it's quite inspiring 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you've done the the um, the kind of distribution of your films through the. Have you done it through these these sort of online systems? Because obviously, there's a there's quite in the old days you'd have to send yeah. DVDs out, but um, it's all changed, and there's been controversy as to the costs involved yeah. in, in a lot of these online platforms without a box etc so it's how have you been weird. doing it it's strange i mean i have done it through without a box in the past and then i've done it recently through without a box and film freeway, film freeway uh, yep. because without a box now i think is going it's disappearing so. i don't think a lot of people will be particularly sad to see its demise no i mean my last experience i'm trying to think with Chewing Gum Man, I didn't. I hardly go to any fest festivals with through those means. Mm -hmm. and, and the one I am going to in Belgium was through someone who knew of someone who was working on the festival. I went through that way. Mm -hmm. uh, it was more of a word of mouth uh, thing. Because uh, it's a real big job to get your films into festivals, even through these platforms. I mean, and it's getting harder and harder because mm. there's just so many films out. It's so saturated. Uh, short films i thought my, i might have an easier ride this time with a documentary and it just wasn't the case mm. it's just so hard to get into any festivals and what you probably find is if you get into a big fest if you're lucky enough to get into a big festival like a big name festival then what will happen is programmers from other festivals festivals will be visiting that festival and you'll be invited to other festivals so, yeah but unless you get into one of those big festivals and the ball starts rolling it's really hard to kind of break in actually mm -hmm. sometimes people just think it's a given well, i'll make a film i'll send it out to a bunch of festivals i'll do Upload about 20 it. or 30 mm -hmm. festivals uh but it's just not the case it's so hard to kind of access the festivals these yeah. days we seem to have a helicopter kind of uh, circling over us uh, so yeah. just that just means that we're authentically in north london and <laughs> we're not we're not in uh, a kind of you know uh, mm. our suite in in uh, the bahamas or in uh, hollywood just yet and this no, is all no. retroactive so aaron your film your documentary you sent me through a very interesting um, trailer you cut for it recently yeah so i mean we talked a little bit about my film in the last time we did uh, our podcast uh, recording and uh, it's this film about the early 90s free party movement, free party uh, raves. And um, I've just, again, in a sort of similarly pirate DIY fashion, I've just been plugging away at doing this between times, between, you know, paid projects. Um, and But I, as a consequence, I've done a lot, actually quite a lot of, of interviews. Um, and uh, I've also been gathering archive uh, as much as I could with, with no budget to try to get to the point where um, I can show what the film might be like. Because the film is is potentially 60 minutes or even longer, um, at the moment, the, the, the best way for me to kind of demonstrate what that film is, li is going to be like is to cut a taster. In the old days, they used to call it a taster tape. And for documentaries, this is a fairly tried and tested kind of um, process that you, you cut a taster tape and uh, that might just be, you know, made up of pre-existing material or you might go and shoot some stuff or it may be a kind of compilation of, of archive. We're basically trying to get the idea across, the story across with a little bit of a kind of a teaser element to it, as in making people want to um, to kind of get more, to, to watch more. But at the same time, um, demonstrating your chops as a, as a filmmaker. Yeah. Um, and so I, I've been shooting a lot of interviews. I've been I've interviewed some really fascinating people. I've been in, you know, Berlin. I'm going off to Nottingham uh, next week, and, I, and I've been filming a lot of the um, 
a lot of sort of what people are doing now. So, you know, th- yeah. 30 years ago was this, this huge explosion of the sort of um, free party acid house kind of uh, meeting the traveller culture ex- sort of thing that got into the news and was all over the press. And um, it's kind of coming up to an anniversary, which is why I feel like the film is ah, good perfect. timing. Um, and a lot of the people I'm talking to uh, are kind of the first time they're reminiscing properly about this stuff. It's nice to get it to the point where it's, it's almost ready, you know. It's in, yeah. uh, and people I can now show it to people rather than just talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, the trailer looked absolutely brilliant. I think I'd seen an early uh, cut of it and it had just leaped leaps and bounds for the one I saw a couple of days ago. And it just, it just already looks like a film I really, really want to see. So oh, I thought I think you've done a good. great job on the trailer. How did you find it when you were interviewing kind of the, the old guys from, from back in the day and those sound systems and those those guys from the free party times? How did you find them were mm. they quite open to talking about that kind of stuff? Had they had many people come by and asking questions about it before? Or? Well, it's, a, it's an interesting one because obviously there's a certain level of illegality involved in what their life and their culture was. Yeah. Um, you know, there's certainly the drug side of it, and there's also the the fact that they were breaking into places, they were throwing things in, in you know, uh, non licensed, non ticketed types of events. It was an anarchic yeah. culture. Were they suspicious of you because they've probably been kind of cast yeah. badly in the in the in the past? Well, that's certainly the case that in the past they've they've been you know described and and uh, sort of uh, the story has been told in a kind of denigrating kind of fashion. Um, particularly the the sort of traveller side of him of them because they really were persecuted as a group. I mean, they were. There's no doubt about it. And I've got clips of you know John Major, effectively saying we're going to crush this group of people in, yeah. in society. But um, generally, it was a lot of pre um, discussion with them. So lots of emails, lots of text, lots of explanation as to what I wanted to do, um, and then you know in some cases a pre interview over the phone which, you know, sometimes were quite expensive. I, I spoke to a guy in Berlin and uh, he clearly didn't want to speak to me over Skype. Right. And he didn't want to speak to me over just any kind of internet. Yeah. He wanted to speak to me on the phone and I had to effectively prove that I wasn't going to do a hatchet job and that I was, the story was interesting because I have a deep sort of connection to it and I, yeah, and I really yeah. want to... I want to give it the best kind of credence and the best kind of um, overview I can. But, you know, at the same time, I can't I can't offer people um, their story only. I'm going to give my story and um, and my story will be an amalgamation of all of these stories. And in some ways, I'm going with the fact that a lot of the time these stories are kind of bit hazy you know there's no yeah. photography there's no film of a lot of this stuff so i'm kind of going with the fact that it's um in a way it's a folk history i did have an interesting one on facebook this is this is a kind of a word of warning for um for other filmmakers i i kind of blind posted in a specific um forum where there was you know twenty five thousand people of a specific sound system i won't mention yeah, the name yeah. obviously seriously passionate people who who it was the it was a great part of their their kind of formative years um and i got a lot and i mean a lot of negative comments as in oh wow who yeah. is this guy is he a, is he some sort of police is he yes. yeah a lot of conspiracy theory yeah, stuff yeah. a lot of people kind of basically you know not happy that i was asking questions about their past 
So it, it was a real lesson to me because I had to then spend the next few days really, really kind of making sure everybody understood where I was coming from and then kind of gluing in the people that they already know as part of the, the scene, the sort of, mm. I suppose, people that they look up to and, you know, vetting me in some way. Yeah. And it, I got there and everybody, everybody's cool now, but it was a lesson to me that actually... Don't assume you can just, as a filmmaker, just start asking a bunch of questions in a public forum for yeah, yeah. for your uh, for your project because actually people are quite suspicious and they're particularly suspicious suspicious online. We know what the situation is these days, data harvesting and all of that, and there's a there's certainly an awareness now of you know anything done publicly there is a risk element. So uh, yeah. it, that's definitely been a bit of an eye opener. Yeah, man. You are listening to the debut feature film podcast this is diy cinema cult so routine so we had a, a script read through didn't we a couple of a couple of weeks ago with a bunch of actor mates yeah and it, was, um, it was great because it um, was great just to hear it out the, the the pages out loud i think we did about maybe two thirds or just under of the script we it, did a big couple of big sections of it anyways and it, it was interesting because it kind of whizzed through as in yeah i mean you know we were there for maybe an hour but it, we whizzed, yeah. whizzed through it and um it sounded great it sounded good and it was so good to get the actors feedback as well on it and just uh, i mean it was great in you know obviously on one side just to hear it out loud the actors is just to breathe life into the lines and to hear them out loud. You could hear the things that were working. You could hear the things that weren't working. Mm. You could hear when maybe things would get a bit too wordy. You can chop down. But also it's just good to hear their feedback on what their perception of the character and, and the writing was. That was always, you know, I always find that fascinating when you hear actors' point of view on it because then it's just, you know... I don't, and I love it to be critical too, but just mm. hearing their perspective from the other side saying, well, you know, this is kind of what, and sometimes they, 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 they read things that you weren't intending at all. Yeah. Some things they really get it. And then sometimes they don't get it when they don't get it. That's just as interesting because you kind of go, Oh, okay. Maybe that, you know, that's mm. funny that you kind of, that's your kind of certain things aren't leaping off the page to yeah. you in the same way. Yeah. So it was good. It was a, such a useful thing to do. And I, I want to do some more of those actually as we go forward, I think. And how do you think it informed the kind of any, you know, tweaks or, or rewrites on the script? I think it made me just, you know, writing a script and then hearing a script is, is, two you know obviously very different things hearing you just hear if you are just putting too much literally words on the page like mm -hmm. you think oh, i can just lift some of this off the character doesn't need to be saying all of this we can just suggest some things here it can be done with um you know it can be done in, in other means it doesn't have to be so wordy yeah um, so there were certainly some parts where i just felt it was feeling a little bit wordy and it was a bit chewy in the actor's mouth but um uh, yeah, so that's kind of the rewriting I've done. The other thing I've done recently, that the rewrite that I did after that script read through, was just the um, the Emma character in there, who is yeah, this kind of first time comic. We've sort she, of been beefing her up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, she's we? she's way more of a kind of she's there to be that she's a social media influencer who's doing a first uh, a stand up gig. So instead of just being a girl who is a very nervous girl doing a first stand up gig, she's this girl who's. Is, is doing the first stand-up gig to 
for her content on her social media channel. Mm. She's got 45,000 followers or something like that. So she is really the star of the... Of, of, She's the person that people yeah. know the most. It's just and, what happens yeah, to be, be online. Because in previous in previous drafts of the script, there was there was her as the first time stand-up. She was very nervous. And then she kind of... Her character kind of develops a little bit throughout the film too, and she's there yep. to the climax. Then there was these other characters in the audience who were filming the whole night on their phones and they were the ones that were kind of uploading pictures and that's how the kind of night, the events of the night, of, mm. you know, Don Morby taking his audience hostage go slightly viral or go well, we open told deep them, into We the haven't media. told them all the secrets yet, have we? we haven't told no, them. no, no. <laughs> Have I given too much away there? Oh, Didn't we oh, oh. Um, so, but may, maybe I'll snip some of that out. Um, <laughs> but, um, but now Emma has become solely that character who actions all those things yeah. within the story. So um, that's kind of the main, that's kind of the biggest kind of change uh, and I, th I think writing. it kind of adds a an extra dimension to the script because um, it kind of makes a nod to, I suppose, Don's character who's from the old school and he's yeah. in, in a way really is kind of at the end of his uh, yes. kind of his, <laughs> the, the end of his kind of professional kind of career in some yeah. way or if it was ever professional. But he's 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 not the cutting edge. He's certainly he's on the way out in some way. And this is his last stab in a way at kind of making it work whereas she's just this kind of new thing yeah that old farts like us don't really understand yes. but it feels really relevant to talk about because obviously there's there are people on vine and people on even vine's dead now isn't it but tiktok yeah. and these new things where they've got <laughs> five five million uh subscribers and they're comedians yeah. But actually, I've heard of this thing called MySpace. He's heard this, I've heard good. of MySpace. <laughs> Your space or MySpace? Um, I've actually noticed we've. I've still got a MySpace account. Oh, bless it's you! It's terrifying, isn't it? I, <laughs> I wouldn't know how to log in. I think Tom is still my only friend. <laughs> um, but you know, there are people who are TikTok comedians who have right. never been on a stage. Yeah, and yeah. have never actually even performed in front of other people but yeah. are way more successful in some ways than anybody who you've ever seen or anybody that would have even well, been yeah. big back in the I mean, my, comedies, my the new rock and roll days. My yeah. sons who are 12 and 9, you know, they're into watching lots of stuff on YouTube now. And a lot of it is kind of comedy content, mm. people who just do their own sketches. Um, and the thing is, what I've noticed which is very interesting. Their sense of humour is being affected by the style, the tempo of the editing that you get on YouTube, which tends to be these kind of online comics it's a very short snappy yeah uh it's very highly edited it's very jump cutty uh their sense of humor is slightly affected almost by the tempo of the com of the comedy that they see on youtube that's really interesting which is kind of interesting so yeah it's a weird new world mate it's, it's it is strange and I, and I think what's what i mean what that reminds me of in a way is thinking that there was a time where um particularly with people like Vic and Bob uh, you, yeah that the, there was a kind of a surreal slowness to the com comedy as well as um yeah you know uh, uh, who was the guy who was on Vic and Bob who had like crazy curly hair who's uh, on uh, Simon Munnery no 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 right. he was on Vic and Bob uh he was on you know the, not just the big night out he was he was uh, a regular comedian and he would speak really slowly and he'd tell the same joke <laughs> over and over again. Can you remember who he was? Was well, he? In, he wasn't. The, he wasn't the guy in the new series. He was I, in no, the original. In, in the, the original one. one. Now it was because oh, because what I always thought about it was that it was 
kind of acid house humor as in he literally yeah. said the same thing over and over again yeah like all dance music <laughs> but somehow it got funnier and funnier the more he said it as in the same way that dance music somehow when it's done well somehow the hearing the same thing over yeah. and over again kind of gets better and better as you listen I, to and i'm so wondering true. if that's such a polar opposite of our i'm gonna to have to try and remember who this guy was he used it, to do a joke about his ducks that died anyway I'm, it, I'll it's figure so it true that is what their sense of humor is and if you follow um Vic and Bob on social media now. Mm. Uh, I've recently started following. I'm not. I'm not on Twitter very much. But the, the last time I went on, I started following uh, Jim Wah. That's his name, isn't it? Um, Vic Reeves is real name. Oh yeah, Jim Wah. So I started following him. Jim Reeves, no, no, no. no he's, I think it's Moir, M O I R. Is, not, is that I'm just I, saying Jim as in Moir? Jim as in, Moir. It's know. me, Jim. <laughs> I want to fact check this and then, uh, <laughs> we better, and then edit this bit out. Yeah, we better fact You'll come in, it would sound really different because you'll have to do it on your phone. Yeah. Uh, Jim Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Reeves. Uh, but he, and he's got these, he's, he's got these brilliant <laughs> videos where it is that. It's, it's, it's just one shot. And yeah. it's, it's. His poor suffering kids or wife having to like be the camera person for these videos that he just does. He's not with a crew. It's just him on his yeah. iPhone, just he, he entertaining himself. Yeah. And it's someone like one of his kids filming him, and they're in America at some aircraft museum, and it's all outdoors, <laughs> and there's these big jets, you know, all these kind of big military yeah. jets on on the tarmac. And people are going around reading the little signs of the information on them. And he's going around with a piece of cardboard that he's ripped off some box somewhere yeah. and a pen. And he's going and he stood there as if he's sketching the plane onto the cardboard. But of course, he's got the, he's just scratching. He's just scratching deeper and deeper these gouges into the into the cardboard. <laughs> He's not making any kind of impression that looks anything like a plane, but he's just scratching into this cardboard very close to these other kind of American tourists who are just, just being really weirded out by him. Yeah. And that's all it is. And it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. It. It's, I don't know, but this is it. Well, this probably is why we're more Don than Emma. Yeah. In some ways. Absolutely. In that, um, we're from a different era, sadly. <laughs> when cardboard scratching when was funny. Scratching was funny, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You uh, very kindly got me some tickets to a film festival. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, so, but you couldn't come obviously because your no. your baby was about four minutes old. So that's right. Yeah. So wisely, you said, actually, no, I've got I've got to be at home for um, my was, new little one. Yeah, <clears throat> it was just newborn, wasn't he? A little, a little bit early. Um, so my my friend Jeff, our friend Jeff, um, you know, said, oh yeah, I'll be up for it as well. And um, filmmaker filmmakers night out. We thought, oh right. And actually, <laughs> we didn't have any idea of what we were going to see you just said oh it's some indie mo indie, indie it was film. an indie feature yeah i yeah. thought because I, I, I mean the plan was that me and you were going to go and see it as a bit yeah. of inspiration inspiration maybe something to chat about on the yeah. podcast yeah uh particularly because it was a q a and they were talking about how you get a, a kind of indie film made and 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 actually that side of it was quite interesting um because uh, uh the, the the filmmakers had um it was a nice cinema in in north london and um there was free chocolate sitting on the, oh, um, what, what which, want, which is a little bit like, um, you know, uh, Ratso from uh, Midnight Cowboy. Me and Jeff kind of went and hoovered up 
all of the, the, the spare ones <laughs> at the your end. Pockets. Oh, I just got to take a seat over here. <laughs> we came out with about four four bars of green and blacks at the end of it. Nice. Green and blacks could sponsor this podcast, of course. But God, they uh, yeah. they were laying on free chocolate. Free free chocolate, free green and blacks. So, so and you know it's quite a nice cinema. So I was yeah. quite impressed um, by the sort of uh, setting. You thought free chocolate? This film. This gonna is going to be kicking. Brilliant. Absolutely kicking. Um, and you know indie film and, and the the actors were on stage. You know, lovely, seemed very lovely. The director guy seemed, he's quite funny. Um, I thought, oh, I'm looking forward to this. The first shot happened and um, I knew straight away this was going to be absolutely oh, no. fucking terrible. Oh, no. Um, you know when you realise that someone has just not ever paid any attention to, to first of all, what things might look good, as in right. what, what looks good when you point a camera in the direction of a person? Oh no! They hadn't done that. They were in a room that was a effectively like a white room. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, it got worse from there on in. Um, oh. And it was absolutely shocking. I, mean, I kept looking around at Jeff, kind of apologising, and then kind of like secretly again. I feel guilty. Now. Yeah, secretly again with my <laughs> eyes saying to Jeff, "But it's Mark's fault. He got." <laughs> We got the free tickets. <laughs> you wrote him a little note in the yeah, darkness. Yeah, it's, it's Mark's Read fault. this, Jeff. Thankfully, as an indie film goes, it was wasn't very long. It was an hour and fourteen minutes oh, or something oh, like that. Mercy, so we mercy, were like mercy. done. Okay. You know, after the the Q and A, um, we were done. But we but as you know, again, Jeff's just had a, a new baby, so so he's a filmmaker. Yeah, not wanting to waste a, a Monday night out. Um, so we went and saw the Joker or the or amazing, Joker amazing. afterwards, just round the corner. Before, before we talk about the Joker, I, I just yeah. want to ask you. So, did they uh, disclose what kind of budget they had on this? Well, feature? what they said was the film that he'd done before, mm. um, which, which I'm guessing was another in the same sort of genre. It was a kind of a horror movie. Yeah. Um, the film that he'd done before, they had um, a twelve grand budget. For a feature. Okay. So, which struck me as, well, bloody, bloody hell, that's hell. that's not much. But then when you saw what they'd done, you kind of got, why? Um, but uh, because basically, if you ask actors to do something for nothing for four weeks, three, four weeks, and then oh you don't God. use a cameraman, you just do whatever you're saying. I mean, maybe, so. maybe he used a cameraman, but, and you know, they... They proudly said at the end that shot on the Black Magic camera. I'm giving too much away, aren't they? Because a, a detective would be able to understand what this movie <laughs> is. Shot on the Black Magic camera, and I thought, oh man, you know, please, you just didn't shoot it with any. There was no aesthetics at all. Oh. Not that that's the important thing. The story is the important thing, of course, but they didn't bother. Oh, um, no. But anyway, it, it, yeah, I think it was probably a similar ish budget, but I, I don't know how they they got the money. I don't imagine anybody gave them the money. I'd imagine that they did it on a credit card. To be totally honest, I can't imagine that they um, actually got any funding from anywhere. But that's just a guess. Yeah, yeah. To purge ourselves in a way of a, of a bad night cinema, although we had a pocket full of chocolate, Yeah, um, we went to see you Joker. You green and blacks in front of the Joker. <laughs> yeah. Now, what did you think of the Joker? I absolutely bloody loved it. It's, it was a fantastic uh, film. Not not entirely perfect, but I mean, mm. you know, I'm picking it, I'm clutching at straws because there were so many amazing things about it. Obviously... There was a side of me that which was a little bit like, oh, a film about a comedian yeah. who's a bit of a failed comedian. Yeah. And he I kind of might go right. a little bit crazy. I did think, oh, oh, they're they're stealing our 
thunder a little bit. What, what did you think about that? Um, I mean, it did cross my, my mind, but it's it was very, you know, very very different at the end at the end of the day. Don's ca- character and the Joker. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there were just just tastes of it, and the fact that we were sat in a comedy club, and you know, there was scenes set in those <clears throat> those kind of spaces, yeah. and he was kind of failing a bit awfully at his act as well. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, actually, I think he was shitter than Don. He was much shitter than Don. Yeah, Don's he was a somebody bit funnier than I him. think. Yeah, I think Joker yeah. had never got up on stage and ever really done it. It was all like in his head, right? Well, I mean, the lovely thing was that he 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 it, it showed his disconnect to humor, basic humor of real human beings, and it's going to highlight that disconnect he had with with the people around him. Yeah, the fact that he what he thought was funny just wasn't very funny. You know what he what what he kind of thought was amusing people mm. were never going to connect with um but there were some lovely moments of, yeah i think the so moments good. where he kind of found his sort of reverie uh yes and he was kind of what is he doing is he dancing is I he doing martial art he was somehow drifting in a kind of bliss they were just they were astonishing Amazing. because i think usually everything has to be particularly hollywood films have to be so plot driven you don't yeah. have those t- moments for just pure atmosphere and emotion, and 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 it did that. Yeah, I thought so well. Where you were suddenly, wow, you you were just feeling his feeling, and um, yes, I thought it was great. Such a good movie. And I mean, massive nods, obviously, to previous films. King of Comedy being King something. King of Comedy, that's, yeah, that's I couldn't big... stop thinking about that, particularly because you got Mr. De Niro there. De Niro's there. I mean, they weren't hiding the the uh, homage in in any no. way, and also obviously Taxi Driver, and yeah. that, that seemed kind of interesting because the last Joaquin Phoenix film that I was really impressed by was um, uh, the Lynn Ramsey film um ah have you ever seen it yes you never you were really never here. really there which, which again is like oh he's he's almost the same guy yeah. he's just a lot thinner in this one and he laughs a lot more whereas yeah. in the other one he's basically i don't know it's not the same character but he's in the same sort of situation he's got his mum who he loves who yeah and no, i trust it's true. kind of yeah it's kind of an odd one but um yeah. very and, and that film had a massive nod to taxi driver as well so um, i just had i just had a thought of something we talked about a while mm. ago this is a, a completely different subject now yeah back to routine again we had a little thought maybe didn't we of a kind of pie in the sky future little plan mm. to go to Cannes film festival next year with is it already uh, next year yeah are we already screwed it no 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 well next <laughs> well no no it's not next year yet oh as in oh yeah yeah as, yeah as in next next as, year next yeah festival. yeah yeah all right because i i bumped into uh i met up with a mate of mine robbie samuels who's a filmmaker um very very lovely guy maybe it might be a guy we could have on the podcast actually mm. um he's been a couple of times and he was chatting to me and he was saying uh you know so what are you doing i was telling him about routine and he was saying, how much money do you think you need? And I said, oh, X amount of money. Um, he was saying, and, I, and I, then I'd start describing our, our idea of doing some kind of web series before yep. we get into the film proper. One that can raise profile, draw in a bit more funding, that thing. Mm. Raise, create a bit of an audience. Create a buzz, yeah. Um, I mean, his reaction was a little bit disheartening. He was a bit like, well, what the fuck are you doing that for? Just make the film. Yeah. I was going, yeah, but, you know, we blah, blah, blah. And I was kind of mm. going through going through what we talked about before. And he was like, listen, you go, you know, have you been to Cannes? And I was like, well, I mean, you have, Aaron, haven't you? You've been once I have, yeah, yeah. Um, my, actually, my mum's kind of retirement 
like little kind of cottagey thing is about 10 kilometers. So I, I've kind of been and yeah. stayed in her little caravan um, and then gone to the festival to kind of just lurk around and, and yeah. uh, uh, which is why I'm thinking we go, we could go, listen, mate, we could swap your shed for your mum's caravan. Oh, yeah. Can. yeah, yeah, yeah. We could do can on the cheap. Yeah. And and basically try and then sell this fucking film to people and get some money. What do you reckon? Well, it sounds good. I mean, what, what did your mate? What was the text <laughs> so, that your mate said? So, because obviously, so basically, Robbie was saying, "Listen, go to Cannes, uh, go with a, some kind of package, development mm-hmm. package, or, or kind of uh, in a package for your film." He said he ran into people who were there who, um, without being. He wasn't being unkind towards these people, but he was saying he, he said he'd met he'd meet them at the beginning of the week. They had a package that he didn't really think was that outstanding or fantastic, or he didn't really mm-hmm. he, he wasn't really drawn in by the idea that they were trying to yeah. uh, make a film about. And by the end of the week, they would have maybe twenty, thirty, forty thousand pounds of investment. Mm-hmm. So he was saying, look, if you've got a good, a solid idea be prepared go with a good good package uh make sure you're ready to kind of meet people just chat about your film yeah and he said you know his thing was like you it's going to be so hard to find money here you need to go somewhere where there's going to be other investors and like a film festival like the cat film festival yeah so that just brought i think the next i think that day after meeting him for lunch i sent you an email i was like Mm. mate how about we do this next time round? Well, you, we've got the we've got the uh, digs. <laughs> we've got the digs. We've got a place to stay. We might need the uh, we might need to get the kind of uh, dicky bow tie and the um, the, the everybody wears suit. like pale, uh, you know, kind of pale cash suits and deck shoes, don't it's, they? Uh, well, unless you've got to go to one of the kind of screenings and then you've got to really glam up. Oh fuck! They don't let you in unless you're looking pretty spiffing. Um, okay. But we could just be one of those many kind of lurkers and hustlers on the uh croisette yeah that are kind of shoving their um idea in people's faces um it's i mean it's a it's, a, it's worth going just for the experience it's a yeah. proper freak show and um let's do it that'd be one hell of a podcast it, from it would, we, we could do it couldn't we we could take the gear with us and um I think, I mean, there's no doubt about it. It would make a good podcast, even if we didn't raise any dosh. Yeah. We might spend all of the budget just on kind of trying to get, <laughs> trying to get into parties. What this is, it's a DIY cinema podcast for DIY filmmakers. The DIY Cinema Cult. Well, are we going to have a, a, a martini, Jackie? Oh yeah, I think it's about that time. So, do you want to do the do the honours? I do the honours. Yeah. Um, so there's going to be a bit a little phase here where there's clinking and bashing going on. Um, keep, yeah, keep. So I've got this idea that um, if you put an entire satsuma into a gin and tonic rather than just a slice of lemon, that in fact turns it into a health drink. And um, the the uh, the the gin and the toxic elements of the alcohol are counteracted by the vitamin C and the um, natural sugar in there. We need we need a mixer, don't we? A mixing uh, thing. Oh, have we not got actually any of the stuff that we need? No, I might be able to do a bit of a. Uh, do you know what? I'm going to do a um, a jazzy campsite one. martini. Ready? <laughs> campsite martini sounds about like a, us. <laughs> He's, he's now going outside the shed. Um, yeah, you can chuck it outside. <laughs> if that's what you do. He's now pouring whatever on earth he's just put in there <laughs> outside. I'm so sorry, man. That's all right. Uh, 
Um, it's making good uh, podcast, good, good radio. Um, and so now we vaguely have the ambience of the martini. Yeah. Well, cheers, I think. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Um, I had a question, actually. I was thinking on the way up. Uh, I wanted your opinion on something. Oh, God. Is that very strong? Uh, um, yeah. um, just, just something that was on my mind. I wanted to ask you about it. <laughs> the idea of filmmaker, right? Labelling yourself as a filmmaker. Mm, Have you yeah. ever had a problem with that in the past you know say on social media or what mm. have you nowadays people often have to kind of tag themselves as what they are you want to you want to put forward an image for yep. clients and stuff i've often found you know remember was it robert rodriguez said once and you know if you want to be a filmmaker go out get a business card print filmmaker on it you're a filmmaker yeah which i love the sentiment behind that but also yeah. i kind of i'm a bit worried about that like that i i wouldn't want to go to a dentist who I just gone out and printed the business card with dentist written on it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because he's not a dentist yet. So yeah. I'm, I'm often... Well, you are a filmmaker. You have made films. Yeah, I have. But the, but then there's often times where I'm not making f- films yeah. and I'm maybe I'm a dormant yeah. filmmaker. But there are times when the dentist is not pulling teeth out of people's faces. <laughs> that's true. Well, that's true, yeah. And there's times when the dentist is, you know, uh, on the loo. And there's times where the dentist <laughs> is eating a kebab on the way home on a Saturday night. I mean, I love the incentive behind what Robert Rodriguez was saying because it is that just fucking do it, get up and start yeah, something. Which is pirate like what, we, what we're saying. Yeah. And so I can completely get on board with that, but there is just the flip side of it. I just worry about. Yeah. Because I or I throughout my whole career have had anxiety about calling myself a filmmaker. Yeah. Only because I go through long periods of time where I'm working in TV companies and, you know, working in broadcast design where I'm not necessarily I'm working in animation or I'm working in design. Um, and I'm trying to get projects off the ground, but nothing's really happening. And I'm like, going, do I call myself a filmmaker? Because I'm not really making any films. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and the reason why this is in my mind right now is because selling that the documentary <laughs> yesterday, potentially, early yep. stages, um, last night I had this wonderful feeling, which was complete lack of anxiety about calling myself a filmmaker. I felt like I was really actively doing something. You know, when you, sell, mm. when you, when you make a product and then it sells, and you kind yeah. of go, ah, bang that's what it is i'm kind of doing i'm that job i'm that person i'm that link in the chain you're, you're over the imposter syndrome isn't it it's yeah. the imposter syndrome which yeah. i think is which haunts haunts us all or it doesn't haunt you and you're either a kind of a uh person who just blags their way happily through life yeah or you uh just believe you're going to get there i suppose yeah um, it's interesting but it'd be interesting to see what kind of like listeners think because a lot of the people listening to this podcast will be filmmakers who are trying to make a start or maybe mm. they've made the start and yeah. how they feel about promo- you know promoting themselves we're a couple of english guys maybe self-promotion is a little bit more difficult to us than maybe people from other uh, you know cultural backgrounds mm. maybe we are a bit more conservative in that sense i don't know maybe maybe not i mean I, I remember when i started i was a you know runner i was on working on commercial shoots and film shoots where it was very hard it was big productions and yeah. big production value so you and you were made aware on a daily of your position in that hierarchy and it was very very low and you were the t-boy and but as long as you kind of knew that and worked very hard in that yeah uh, level you could probably step up and i mean it may be that there's a certain element of the democratizing aspect of you know anyone can be a tiktok comedian anyone can be a yeah. youtube superstar now because 
you can learn how to point a camera to set up a light you can learn how to mic something up from youtube and then you can have 20 million subscribers uh to your channel and then yeah you're fr you're a filmmaker yeah and that's just the way it is but it just depends whether the films that you're making are the films i suppose that we would think that we were aspire to aspire to make which is um storytelling which isn't uh it, it, i think a lot of youtube stars are telling their story but yeah, they're telling yeah. their story with them in it and they're yeah. telling them their, their story with um themselves as the main character literally in real life yeah. whereas we potentially i suppose are interested in more in other people's stories through our eyes yeah. or or telling stories that are of, of, of an interest or you know fascinate us in some way yeah so it's a good debate i think we, it's something we should try to pass on to our listeners in some way and see uh, what their thoughts are on on the um the idea of calling yourself a filmmaker and and also whether there is a legitimate difference between the youtube generation who are who are making films in some ways or making yeah. video or content i hate that word content i have to say it really sends shivers down my spine because <laughs> it's a bit like you know putting some cheese in your sandwich you know what's the content of your sandwich the content of my sandwich is some cheese and some uh, <clears throat> you know some uh, pickles hmm. no it's a cheese sandwich that's the story of your sandwich <laughs> What's the uh, what's the inciting incident of your cheese sandwich? Then yeah, the the inciting incident of my cheese cheese sandwich was um, I felt this rumble in my tummy, and then I thought of my past. <laughs> and I had a, there was a bit of a flashback. It's a flashback. It was just a smell, a smell of you know previous times, uh -huh. and I just suddenly thought, you know, now now is the time for that cheese sandwich. <laughs> okay, um, so filmmaking. So yeah. So, filmmakers. So, yeah, yeah, be interested to hear what people think about how they're happy to call themselves filmmakers. Fuck yeah. it, we are filmmakers. Bollocks. Uh, fuck it, we are. Yeah. DIY pirate says, fuck it, I own this place. Yeah. That's what the pirates say. They say, this. no, they don't say they own this. They say, this place has no owners. Mm -hmm. I occupy this space and I make it what I wish. Yeah. Do you like the sound of that? I like the sound of that. It's beautiful. That's and beautiful. this shed is it, our is our domain. Is our domain. It has no owner, but we make it what we wish. Yeah. Apart from you, you kind of own it. Okay, I kind of own it <laughs> in the traditional uh, <laughs> traditional uh, way. But uh, so you're pirate captain. What am I, what am I then? I'm like the the. Oh, we're both captains. Okay. This is this is an anarchic democratic, <laughs> an anarcho democratic kind of. Uh, uh, we're like the Starship Enterprise. We're basically a big collective, but yeah. one person does get to sit in the big chair quite regularly. Yeah. Okay. Know. That's so, good. That's and good. on this film, it's you. You're the director. Yeah, I suppose. But then yes, the yes, producer, yes. in theory, can always fire the director. I <laughs> get someone better to do the job. <laughs> yeah. uh. Right, Marky. All right, well, cheers, mate. Let's end it there. Cheers. Follow us on Twitter at DIY Cinema Cult or on Instagram, we are DIY underscore cinema underscore cult. 
seek out the DIY Cinema Cult group on Facebook or why not email us at DIYCinemaCult at gmail.com. Follow us. <laughs>